All right, playmakers, big news. The 2023 version of my What's Working in the Indoor Play Industry Guide is here. To learn about exactly what is working best right now for real-life currently operating indoor playground owners, head to the show notes to download my fully updated free guide. That's right. Even if you've downloaded one of my What's Working guides in the past, you will not want to miss this new version made specifically with what's trending and fresh for 2023 in mind. Head to the show notes for the direct link or go to michellecarawana.com slash what's working to get the guide in your inbox right now. If you're in the play and party business and you want to operate with more ease and joy, all while making the living you dreamed of, I created the Profitable Play Podcast just for you. Join me, your host, Michelle Caruana, for Small But Mighty Tips Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays that will all add up to a big impact on your mindset, your business, and your bottom line. Stick with me to keep the passion and grow the profit in your play or party-based business. All right, Playmakers, happy Friday. So today's episode is going to be a little bit different, but I really hope that you enjoy it because as we approach the new year, I've listened to so many webinars and business podcasts and YouTube videos, and it feels like every single person is talking about things you should start doing in 2023 to have the most successful business possible. And while I will have some of those types of videos and podcasts coming to you in the coming days and weeks, I first wanted to take a step back and talk about some things that you might want to give up or stop doing in 2023 to be the best possible version of yourself, both as a business owner, but also as a spouse, partner, parent, whatever other roles you have to fill in your life. Because A lot of times the things that we give up or stop doing as we move forward on our journey are just as important as the things that we do. So what I'm going to do and what I did prior to this episode is I went way back in the archives, like 2017, 2018 blogs, and I dug one up that I really, really enjoyed writing and I enjoyed rereading it now that we're like five years down down the road. And it's called Seven Things I Did My First Year of Owning My Business That I Don't Do Now. And I could have rewrote the entire thing to be more consistent with present tense as somebody who has sold my business, but I actually decided to read it to you today on this podcast exactly as I wrote it back in 2017, because I know a lot of you listening to this podcast are in that exact position right now. Maybe you're in your first year of ownership or approaching your second or your third, and you're wondering what's next. Maybe you're feeling a little tired or burned out and dreading the year coming up and again, wondering all the things that you should be doing. So again, before we get to all of that and the trends coming up in 2023 and all that good stuff, again, I wanted to read you this article that I wrote exactly as I wrote it. So it's going to be in present tense, even though this is five years later that I'm reading it. So it might sound a little weird, but again, I really wanted to stay true to exactly what my mindset was, exactly what my feelings were and actions were at this exact point in time as 
somebody in my third year of indoor playground ownership. All right, let's do it. Seven things I did my first year of owning my business that I don't do now. As I've grown and matured as a business owner, one of the most important things I've learned is what to spend my time and energy on and what I'm better off delegating. Michael Hyatt, in many of his books and programs, continuously refers to the desire zone or zone of genius, some people call it, when it comes to designing your ideal days and weeks. Operating within your desire zone simply means you are spending the bulk of your time doing what you both love and are good at. For me, a great example of something I was doing that was outside of my desire zone was payroll and bookkeeping. I neither enjoyed these tasks nor did them efficiently whatsoever. Hiring a bookkeeper and accountant was expensive, which is why I held off on making the hire for so long. But once I did offload those tasks, the benefit I brought to my business and the additional sales I generated as a result made it well worth the investment. Over the last few years, I've also learned to recognize when I'm spending my energy on tasks that are not only outside my desire zone, but that do not serve my business or my customers at all, like checking in daily on competition, for example. Overall, I'm still growing and maturing each day and learning how to protect and divvy up my time and energy, but here are seven things I did in the early years of my business that I do not do now. Number one, stalk the weather. Climbing Vines Cafe and Play first opened to the public in the winter of 2015. Here in upstate New York, we typically don't begin experiencing outdoor weather until May. So at first, we were slammed for open play. We spent months in a state of at capacity, and I naively assumed that we would just keep sailing on that way forever and ever. However, when May rolled around, we began to realize how seasonal open play business could be, and our bottom line certainly felt it. I vividly remember waking up each morning and checking the weather first thing, and pretty much knowing what we would be able to do in sales that day, depending solely on that forecast. And if you've ever operated a business based on these tumultuous forecasts, you know exactly why I do not recommend it. Because of our size and guest capacity, I knew that we could not remain sustainable as a business if we put all or even a majority of our efforts into open play. So we began focusing more on keeping our birthday calendar booked and on recurring memberships, which led to a major increase in profits. And taking a quick break from reading to share that I have two videos on this on YouTube that I just released recently, the two main types of revenue you should focus on for a successful indoor playground business. And spoiler alert, it's big ticket sales like birthday parties and recurring sales like memberships. All right, back to reading. We also incorporated other revenue streams into our outdoor weather months, like drop-off day camps and events guests must pre-register in advance for, so we're able to lock in our revenue regardless of the weather. This took some time and research into what type of programs our community needed, but after years of implementation, we can finally sail through our slow open play season without stocking the weather forecast every single day. All right, number two, 
work every party or event or class. Since we chose birthday parties as our priority focus shortly after opening, I knew that delivering an incredible birthday party experience for every single guest would be critically important to the success of our indoor playground business. It was for this reason that I worked every single birthday party for months after we opened and as many as six per weekend. While this was difficult for my family and for me, I was in the first trimester of my second pregnancy at the time and I was exhausted, like bone tired. But while it was difficult, I knew that during the first few months of our business, our party packages, offerings, pricing, and execution would need constant tweaks and adjustments until we got everything exactly right. Once we gathered tons of feedback, implemented many changes, and worked out all the kinks in our offerings, I was finally able to step back a bit and train my staff to execute the parties just as well as I could have. This took a great deal of training and documentation of our processes, complete with photos and video of proper party execution, but all of the work I had done during those first few months was well worth it. And the same goes for all of our classes and events as well. Once I was able to experience how the events, classes, and parties we host flowed myself, I was able to establish our standard operating procedures and communicate those effectively to our guests, and in turn, train my staff members to stand in and fill that role again, just as well as I had, or maybe even better than I could have because they were fresh and they were more energized, whereas I was really working myself into the ground. But now I'm able to relax most weekends and spend time with my family, knowing that our clients are still being served at the highest level by our amazing team. I still work parties and events on occasion, but only when I want to and am able to, and only when my family schedule allows for it. It's no longer my top priority. Oh, and if you're wondering how our party schedule was completely booked for the first three months we were open, I share a link to another blog article where I share some of my marketing secrets. So I will also put that in the show notes of this episode. All right, number three worry about competition. For a year or so after we opened, I could barely go one day without checking the websites and social media accounts of my local competitors that all seemed to pop up within months of myself opening. And outside of that, I was also constantly looking over my shoulder, hoping and praying no one would copy my business idea and steal all of my success and all of my customers. After two direct copycats opened within the first few years, it turns out I was right about one thing. I was correct in thinking that when someone finds success doing something like I was seeing with my indoor playground, people were noticing that we were constantly busy, we constantly had a full party calendar, and we were booking six to 12 months in advance. But when someone finds success doing something like what I was seeing, Others will quickly recognize that and attempt to emulate it as best they can to unlock some of that same success for themselves. They kind of think, well, if they can do it, I can do it. However, I was wrong in thinking that these copycats, quote unquote, would have an impact on my own business, at least a significant one. Both businesses I'm referring to, instead of creating their own original concept and distinguishing factors, 
happy hours almost exactly. And I'll never forget, I was clicking through one of the party pages of one of those competitors and I was clicking on some of the links. And at one point she had some PDF invitation samples for her business and I clicked on it and it actually led to my website and my invitations. So this person had literally copy and pasted our entire copy and links and all from our birthday party page and just pasted it onto her website and forgot to update the link. So I promise I'm not being oversensitive when I say that these two businesses literally copied our business and both closed within a year of opening. So again, it really wasn't that big of a deal, but I'm telling you, I let myself get so stressed out about it. And again, as a result, one closed within a year and the other closed shortly after. And that's simply because these facilities made the common mistake of failing to stand out against their competition, which I discuss in another blog article, which I will also link. But something that I really want to reiterate here, and I'm taking another quick break from reading, is that as long as you can stand out and offer something unique and different, multiple play cafes, multiple indoor playgrounds, even ones that serve very similar clientele, very similar age ranges that offer very similar types of play. There are so many different ways that you can stand out against your competition and not become just another indoor playground, just another birthday party option. And that's really what we spend a ton of time on in Playmaker Society. All right, back to reading. Sorry again about that brief intermission. All right. Now, not only do I not check on my competition more than maybe once monthly, and yes, I did still check that we're serving our community based on the gaps in service that they currently face. So I wanted to make sure that if they weren't doing something, we would jump in and fill that gap. But I also do not blink when a new indoor playground announces its local opening. This is because we place so much of a priority on serving customers the absolute best they can be served which has proven very difficult for any copycat to reverse engineer. We simply work hard every single day at staying true to our values and priorities, keeping our space clean and in tip-top shape, and continue serving our clients and fostering the relationships we have with them as best we can. We've not yet been impacted by the increasing number of indoor playgrounds in our area, and we've actually grown with each new competitor. What I love most about competition is that it pushes me to be the best I can be and to make sure my business is the best that it can be for my customers as well. Friendly competition encourages innovation and constant improvement at our facility. All right, number four, freak out if someone quits. As any business that employs mainly part-time team members, we do see a bit of employee turnover and much more when we first opened. Have you ever heard the phrase, employees join a company and quit a boss? Well, that was essentially true for my indoor playground while we were getting started. When we opened our doors, I was pregnant with a 12-month-old toddler at home and I had recently left a cushy full-time corporate job. While I felt business was a strong suit of mine, having gone on to achieve a master's degree in economics. I was in no way prepared to manage a team or to develop efficient processes. After all, in business school, we learned a lot of theory. Everything assumed perfect conditions. However, in real life brick and mortar business, there's friction. 
appliances break, humans make errors, and customers can be unpredictable. I've grown a lot over the years as a leader, but mostly I've learned to try and make my team members' lives as easy as possible through proper training, documenting processes, which again, I really had to force myself to learn how to do, and being receptive to feedback. As Paul Maskell shared in his interview with me, which again, I'll link, if an employee does something wrong, it's rarely solely their fault. More often than not, it's instead a breakdown in a process or a miscommunication stemming from a manager failing to communicate a task properly, or oftentimes myself failing to communicate a task or process properly. Once I realized this, I began taking a lot more personal responsibility and I stopped blaming incompetence or the fact that people didn't want to work. And my employees became happier and more productive as a result. While our employee retention rate was higher than ever, we do still see some turnover. However, when someone does choose to pursue other employment, it's not a catastrophe as it would have been in the past. Now that we have our processes clearly documented, complete with photos and video, which again, I share all of this in Playmaker Society, it's much easier and quicker to train new employees. While I still oversee the training process, I do not have to be the one to personally train each new hire, which was a huge source of stress for me at the start of my business. Again, being pregnant with a toddler. My best advice is to fine tune your standard operating procedures and then document them as clearly as possible and give your employees access to this documentation and review it with them regularly. Be sure to communicate job responsibilities and expectations clearly and empower each employee to bring you feedback to continually improve the way your business runs. And if you want to learn more about how and when and everything that goes into creating operating procedures, standard operating procedures, or SOPs, go back and listen to episode 11 of this podcast because we really get into it there. All right, number five, get upset if we get negative feedback. First, I'm not perfect in this area, especially. I made some major mistakes in dealing with online reviews and criticism that still haunts me to this day. I've talked about this so many times before. My temper is hot, like literally like the surface of the sun hot And I often take reviews very personally because I care so deeply about my business and almost think of it as an extension of myself or almost like a third child. It was easy to feel defeated when someone had something negative to say, especially in the beginning, because all of the opening stress was fresh and I was still learning about my strengths and weaknesses as a business owner and when I should ask for help. I try to delegate as much customer service as I can, which I talk about a lot on this podcast now. Not because I don't love serving my customers, but because other staff members are less emotionally invested and can be more objective and therefore more effective in handling issues that arise. Questions and complaints can really drain me emotionally. And when I'm feeling drained, I'm not left with energy or passion to innovate and continue to improve or brainstorm. It would be unfair to the customers who know and love us to give up or quit or stop innovating just because of a few negative reviews. So I keep pushing on for them and remember that the people who bite the hardest online 
are often dealing with wounds themselves. Like, have you ever heard the phrase, hurt people hurt people? In my experience, that's really held true, especially when people are leaving really nasty, demeaning reviews that aren't necessarily constructive criticism. They're really just mean reviews for the sake of being mean or tearing the business down. So my advice for this topic is to be kind above all else, and your ideal customers will continue finding you. Let it roll off your back as much as you can, and remember what someone else has to say about you has much more to do about them and less about you and your business. And no, not every complaint against your business is a personal attack against you. And I do have a podcast episode about dealing with negative reviews, so I'm going to go ahead and link that because it's one of my favorite episodes and it's something that all owners struggle with. So please, please, please go listen to that episode. It's linked. All right, number six, do all the things. While there are still things I continue to do weekly in my business, relinquishing some control and empowering my team members to handle more and more tasks has led to major growth in my business. When I'm able to move things like placing orders, paying bills, answering the phone, and cleaning off my plate, I'm free to dream up new classes and programs or create new free content for my blog or YouTube channel. While this was difficult, it all comes back again to documentation and training. For over a year, I truly believed that I was saving time and money by doing every task in my business myself. I was constantly busy, but never moved the needle in sales or ever felt caught up. Once I realized that I can train people through proper systems, documentation, and training to do the tasks just as well, if not better than I could do them, a new world of opportunity presented itself. When I'm not behind the counter, I'm available both physically and mentally to grow my business in other more impactful ways. As the visionary of my indoor playground, I love protecting my energy to worry about the big stuff, like the direction of our cafe, menu changes, renovations, promotions, and more. If I still did all the things in my business, I would surely not be able to implement improvements and develop strategic partnerships that serve my customers nearly as much as I'm able to now. All right, and then number seven, free consults. I no longer do free one-on-one consultations. I get several can-I-pick-your-brain calls and emails every single day and decline them all. I instead suggest they save time and money and learn from my free blog or YouTube content or listen to this podcast or invest in my Play Cafe Academy program. Why? Well, if I said yes to all of these, I would have no time to serve my current students entrepreneurs who have already invested in making a change in their families' lives, and I would also have no time to support my team members, create new free content, or serve the priorities in my own business. Now, something that I wanted to mention is that when you open your indoor playground, you're bound to get a ton of these calls and emails asking how you did it. And I want to encourage you to charge when you share your expertise and I actually talk about things that you need to do before offering consulting in your business also on this podcast. I will link that as well, but I talk about NDAs and all that kind of stuff. But something that I love offering to my Play Cafe Academy students is an affiliate program. So when somebody emails or calls them asking how they did it, 
All they have to do is share their unique link with for Play Cafe Academy with them. And I do profit sharing with them. And it's not like 10 or 15% like some retail affiliate programs. I get paid just as much as they get paid. So they get 50% commission on every single Play Cafe Academy sale that comes through their link. And the reason that I do that is because I know how difficult it is to make times to, excuse me, to make time for paid consulting opportunities or anything like that when you're busy in the trenches running your own business, especially if you're in your first couple months of opening and you haven't quite figured everything out for yourself yet. So if you're interested in my affiliate program and making just as much from Play Cafe Academy sales as I do, let me know, send me a message on Instagram. And if you're a Play Cafe Academy student, you should already have all the information about how to join. But if you don't, also feel free to message me on Instagram. But I highly encourage you, again, to charge for your expertise, whether that's commissions from my Play Cafe Academy sales or doing one-on-one consulting. But I promise you, when you give somebody an inch, they will take a mile. And a lot of times these people are local to you, even if they say they're not. A lot of times they lie in order to get information out of you. I really hate saying that, but unfortunately I've seen it way, way, way too often. So just be really careful, protect your time, energy, and your knowledge and all of your intellectual property as much as possible. So just be really careful. All right. So all in all, I've grown immensely as a business owner, wife, and mother throughout this journey. I say no now more than ever and have more help than ever because I finally learned to ask for it. And I'm also happier than ever. While I would not go back and change much about the very difficult first two years of my business because of the valuable lessons I learned, I would not trade the time and financial freedom I have right now for anything. So if you want to skip over most of the difficulties I faced while I was getting my business off the ground and to a place of true profitability, I encourage you to read more and join us over in Play Cafe Academy and Playmaker Society. The links are also in the show notes. All right. I really hoped you enjoyed that blog article all the way back from 2017. I had to dig it out of the archives, but it was such a joy reading it to you and kind of teleporting myself back in time to this place of ownership when I really finally felt like my back wasn't against the wall. And I felt like I was able to be creative and joyful in my business ownership again, because I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Even if you have all of the roadmaps, all of the documents I provide you. It's really difficult getting your footing in a new space, in a new area with new customers that you're constantly having to adapt and pivot for. So no matter what, it's going to be a difficult first year, but just know it gets so much better if you let it. And if you let go of some of those tasks that are outside of your zone of genius. So I would love it if you could tell me one thing that you're going to stop doing in 2023. That is your play of the day today. Send me a message on Instagram and I'm going to do a follow-up podcast episode and list all of the things that my listeners are going to stop doing in 2023 to hopefully get the wheels turning for some other people. And yes, I'll be happy to give you a shout out and link to your website if you have one, but send me an Instagram message and say, Michelle, in 2023, I am going to stop doing X. 
All right. I really look forward to hearing from you. Have a wonderful holiday weekend with your families. No matter what you celebrate, I hope you stay safe. If you're in the line of fire for this winter storm that's coming, stay safe, stay warm, recharge, rest, and let me know what you're going to stop doing to become the best version of yourself in 2023.